Good morning. Um, I'll go ahead and ask for you to pray for me as I speak this morning because I changed my whole sermon at four o'clock in the morning this morning and because of what I, the, what I had planned to talk on in the counseling class, Jack thought that might fit, but as I read through it, it didn't fit very well, and I, I changed the whole thing, and I pray that uh, God will give me the grace. Uh, to, uh, now, what I'm going to do is, the message is going to be why God brings adversity into our lives. Um, and in times like these, that's one of the questions that happens for a lot of, for a lot of people, is they want to ask the question, why? And it's not an unnatural question, it's... It's a good question. Why does God allow things like this to happen? Now, I'm not going to specifically be talking about the event and what happened to Lila specifically because I probably couldn't get through it if I did that. Um, I'm going to talk in general terms about adversity and why God does bring adversity because all of us have experienced it. If you young people think you haven't yet, you will. It's going to happen. All, it happens to all of us um, and our you know our prayers need to be there for the family and and the, they need lots of comfort they're experiencing hurt like i've never never felt we're not uh we're not sad for lila lila is in heaven lila is no longer in a wheelchair she is is running and and spending time with jesus and her grandmother and others and so we're not we're not sad for lila but we are sad the family and and the question does come up when things like this happen why God why do you allow these and so in general terms we're going to talk about why God brings adversity into our lives and sometimes you know there's several reasons one is it's sometimes it's just self-inflicted when you think about the different kinds of adversity that come into people's lives many times it's just self-inflicted you know they're lazy some person is lazy at work and they end up not doing a good job and they get laid off and they have financial problems and that's just their own general sin. And in general terms, you know, your own sin can bring adversity into your lives. And, and that's one way adversity comes into people's lives. Another way adversity comes into the, our lives is by the sin of other people. When you think about um, some adversity, you may have known or may have experienced abuse as a child, you may have experienced um, unfaithfulness as a, from a spouse. These are our adversities that are caused directly by sin. And it may not be your sin, but it might be the sin of someone else. And they um, can affect you for years. Then there are the adversities that seemingly come from just the normal circumstances of life. And I say seemingly because as we go through this, we're going to see that there are are no, no randomness events in the life of a sovereign God. But you know, on, on the surface, they seem like they're random. You have a, an illness, you have a layoff, you have financial problems, an accident, a miscarriage, rejection, loneliness. You fill in the blank. There's a myriad of circumstances that can bring adversity into all of our lives. There's a verse that you may remember in Job 5-7 where one of Job's friends says, Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. I don't know about you, I used to do a little camping, and every time you light a campfire, the sparks go upward. That, that's a certainty. It's a certainty in life that we're going to experience adversity. Now, 
Some people experience way more than what we would say is their, are, is their share of troubles. Some of us, I remember as a young person, I didn't think I had ever experienced trouble. But uh, since that time, I've had cancer. My wife's had heart issues. She has a defibrillator. She's had a 99% blockage. We've had rebellious children, a child that was addicted to drugs. And I've experienced a share of trials and, and, and things that have gone in my life that now I can say I have experienced some of these things. But I can honestly say I've never experienced the loss of a child. I can't, I, I can't fathom what this family's going through right now. But God does bring adversity into all of our lives in myriads of different ways. And we talk here at Lakeside about the sovereignty of God a lot. But one of the things that we have to grasp, grapple with sometimes is between does God allow things or does God cause things? And when you, when you really grasp and the concept of sovereignty and providence, God's in charge of everything. Everything. There is nothing that is not providentially happening according to his plan. And if he chooses to allow it, it's not much different than he caused it because he could have stopped it, right? So that's what you're having to grapple with. Many of you might have been around, some of you are too young, but many of you were around in the 80s. There was a book that was very popular entitled When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It was written by Rabbi Harold Kushner. It was a best-selling book and very popular. In it, Rabbi Kushner concludes that the author, author of the book of Job was forced to choose between a good God who's not all-powerful or a powerful God who is not all-good. He said that God wants us to live a peaceful, happy life, but sometimes even God can't bring that about. We know that's not true. But he's not alone in denying the sovereignty of God. Many Christians have a difficult time with this concept. The assumption in the minds of many is if God is both powerful and good, why is there so much suffering, so much pain and heartache in the world? But the Bible and the scriptures teach us that we can have it. We do have it both ways. God is sovereign and God is good. It's not luck. It's not chance. You remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, not Verse 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are worth more than many sparrows. So if God exercises his sovereignty over both the good and the bad, we have to, we have to understand that. He is in control. He is in control of all the events and the circumstances in our life. I wrote down just a couple of scriptures that reinforce this. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider, God has made the one as well as the other. Isaiah 45.6 and 7, I form the light and create the darkness. I bring prosperity and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Lamentations 3.38, Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Now, my intent is not to spend the rest of the time talking about the sovereignty of God. I think most of us know it. We believe it. So if God does allow adversity and trials into our lives, then I, I go, they're using the word allow. God causes 
things, to have a help. God causes us to have trials and, and tribulations. Then the question is why? Why does God do this? The scriptures gives us many reasons, but I want to focus on just a few this morning. Specifically, I'm going to list six reasons that God brings adversity into our lives. And the first one is to test our faith. Anybody know James 1, 2, and 3? I'm sure somebody has it memorized. Anybody? Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Testing of our faith. That's the first reason God allows and brings trials into our lives, is to test our faith. I've heard it said that sometimes a jeweler, jeweler, if they want to test the genuineness of a diamond, will put it into water. And they say that that causes the diamond to sprinkle, to, to, to sparkle in a way that even an untrained eye can tell the difference between a real one and a fake one. And likewise, I think the unsaved world can see the difference between a genuine believer and one who just professes faith in Christ when they are going through adversity nothing tests your faith like real adversity does how a person handles adversity will really put the spotlight on their faith i thought of an example in mine and terry's life many years ago when her nanny uh, that uh, kept her as a baby was basically a grandmother to her was dying she had been diagnosed with an aneurysm and she had three or four months to live and I remember how she handled that. She went on with life, acted like nothing was wrong, loved the Lord, went to church, prayed, read the Bible, was, had peace like, like a person who knew the Lord. And her sister was the exact opposite. Because of the news that she heard of her sister being pronounced with this disease and dying, she was all tore up, anxious, Every time she was in the hospital, she was there arguing with the nurses, just throwing a fit about things. And it was just this picture of light and this picture of darkness between their perspective on understanding who God was. And it shows your faith. This trial test shows your faith. And this is biblical. When you think back to the parable of the sower in Luke 18, Jesus explained that the seeds that fell on the rocky soil were those when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and then they have no firm root. They believe for a while, but in time, the temptation, the testing, as it says, fall away. Because of that, they fall away. And the seed that's on the good soil were the ones who heard the word in an honest and good heart, and they hold it fast, and they bear fruit with perseverance. So we all need to take spiritual inventory every once in a while. And God helps us with that by bringing adversity into our lives. And we can see our own selves, how we handle adversity, whether, first of all, whether our faith is real or not. Second of all, how mature is it? How, are we weak in our faith? Are we mature in our faith? The way we handle adversity will show us that. It will make it clear. Many of you know that several years ago I had cancer and I'd be lying if I said that when I went through cancer and radiation treatments and chemo and all that, that I didn't ever think about dying. I did, briefly. I didn't linger on it, but I did, and when I first, especially when I first heard the diagnosis. And, you know, it's not wrong to think about dying. It's not wrong to think about when we, you know, we hear of 
things like what's gone on to think that because Psalm 90:12 says teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. And what did he mean by number our days? That means to consider, you know, how few of them there are that they're going to end at some point. We shouldn't run from the thought of death. We should think about it. I think I was David Jeremiah I heard tell a story of a woman he was visiting in the hospital and she had a terminal illness. And she was very close to death and her husband was there with her and David Jeremiah was there visiting with her and praying with her. And as they were there, at one point the husband came in and he whispered into his wife's ear. He just got up the nerve to ask her and he said, Honey, I just want to know, what's it, what's it feel like to know that you're dying? And without, he was unsaved. And without hesitation, she turned and looked at him and she said, What's it, to, what's it feel like to pretend that you're not? We're all going to die. Some people want to ignore it. They want to just, just, just not think about it. You know, you try to talk about something after an event like this and they don't, they don't want to talk about it. Trials test our faith. Do you remember when the people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and God gave them the manna? What did he tell them? How, how much were they to gather? One day's. One day's worth. Why did he do that? To test them. He said, in Exodus 16, 4, he said, Gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. God wanted to test them to see if they would trust him to provide for them. So the first reason that God brings adversity into our lives is to test our faith. But that's not the only reason. God brings adversity into our lives to help us grow. And one of the specific ways he wants to help us to grow is in our humility. That's the second reason that God brings adversity into our lives is to humble us. Um, and you think about all the verses on pride and humility, you know how much God hates pride. And a person, a proud person is probably not a saved person. And God wants us to be humble. I think of Philippians chapter 2 when it talks about Jesus being humble to the point of coming to earth to die on a cross. A cross. That's our example of humility and our trials remind us to not let our trust in the Lord turn into presumption and spiritual self-satisfaction. The greater our blessings, the more Satan will tempt us to look at them as our own accomplishments rather than giving the Lord the credit. And I think that's sometimes the reason very intelligent people or very rich people often have a hard time because they become proud in their own accomplishments. The Apostle Paul was probably one of the most intelligent persons of his time period. I have read some scholars say that if he had decided to become a philosopher, he would have surpassed Plato, that he was just a highly intelligent person in his day. But Paul, as he grew in his faith, knew the dangers of thinking so highly of himself. Do you remember the verse that talks about Paul having a thorn in the flesh? Do you remember why he had the thorn in the flesh? The verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul said the reason he had this thorn in the flesh, this adversity, was to humble himself. Again, I have an example in my own life, and... When I, when I share these examples, I'm just sharing them because they, they come to mind. I don't 
in any way pretend to understand what Lila Goody's family had been going through. But I do know in my own life that I have been humbled by, by adversity. I have dealt with a rebellious son who was addicted to drugs since he was 15. And the emotional pain that comes from having a son who is wayward and not knowing whether he's alive or dead or eating out of a dumpster or whatever is very trying. And my wife and I were humbled by that. And I say that because when our kids were little, we were the picture-perfect family. We were the model family in our church. Um, we had people in our church who put us in their will to be the guardians of their kids instead of their own parents because we were doing such a great job raising our children they were involved in the church they witnessed to their friends they knew all the right things to say they they were just we were we were on paper the picture model christian parent homeschooled before homeschooling was ever and hardly known what it was we everybody thought so highly of us and i guess in a way we thought highly of ourselves because I remember somebody at one point having difficult times with their teenager. Mine were still little. And I remember thinking to myself, they're not doing something right. Gosh, don't do that, parents. Don't think like that. We did what we thought were all the right things. And we were, I probably would have had things turned out differently. And my kids all stayed with the Lord and went the right way, I probably would have very, been a very proud and arrogant person thinking, you know, too highly of myself. But God, over the years, just took all of that away by this adversity. We became, we had to depend upon Him and walk with Him day by day by faith. First, we wouldn't even talk to it, to other people about it because we were ashamed and we didn't even want them to know. But as we released that to God and he humbled us, um, we were changed. Probably more than my son was ever changed by this adversity. We were changed. Now, he has since repented. He's come to the Lord. He just got married over in the Philippines. And God has answered some prayers in a mighty way. But there's no guarantee that that ever happens. There, there is no guarantee. Everybody is accountable themselves to the Lord. But that humility came about by an adversity and I wouldn't give it back I mean I don't want that for him but I know I am a different person my wife is a different person because of that adversity so one of the reasons God brings trials is to humble us another reason that God brings trials and adversity into our life is to cause us to depend upon him to loosen our grip on earthly things and to grab firmly onto Him and eternal things. It helps set our priorities straight sometimes. He brings adversity to wean us off of our dependence on temporal things. He wants us to rely on Him for our strength. Do you remember in Acts when Stephen was giving his sermon and he quotes some passages that talks about Moses and he talk, he says that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action but when he was the age of 40 it entered his mind to visit his brethren the sons of Israel and he saw one of them being treated unjustly he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian and then it says and he supposed that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them 
Was that the case? Did his people embrace him? No. They shunned him and said, what are you doing? Are you going to, you know, they questioned even what he was doing. What happened to Moses after that? He ends up in the wilderness and a life of hardship for 40 years before God ever used him. God was then prepared him to be used. So he had to get rid of, you know, his pride. He had to get rid of this, I can do this, God's going to use me attitude. And he had to get him dependent upon him. And then he did. We know that because he didn't even, he didn't even really trust his own speech. He said, God, I can't speak before all these people. Well, if I can't go before Pharaoh, what am I going to do? And God said, I'll, you know, I'll raise up your brother Aaron. He'll, he'll speak for you. So God wants us to be dependent upon him. And sometimes he uses adversity to do this. I found another example in 2 Corinthians 1 where Paul... The Apostle Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Why? He says, In order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul said that all the trials that he was going through, and we don't know exactly what it was specifically at this time, but we do know a lot of about Paul and his life. What are some of the trials that Paul went through? Name some. Shipwreck. Prison. I can't hear some of you. Whipped and beaten. Stone. Left for dead. And de Yeah. On and on it goes. And when you think about all the trials that Paul went through... And he said, in this case, and he said, burdened excessively beyond our strength that so we despaired even of life. And he says, why did all this occur? So that they would depend. You know, he's talking about himself and the other apostles would depend upon God and not themselves. So I know that having cancer caused me to be more dependent on God. Most of my life I've not encountered many things I couldn't do and myself, I, it was a very hard time for me to be laying in a recliner too weak to mow the yard. Uh, that's just unfathomable to me that somebody else is going to mow my yard. If you know me, nobody can do it to suit me. I really don't want anybody else doing it. And I had to humble myself and I had to, I had to let other people help me. I had to depend upon God for finances. I was out of work. Um, if you remember the time period that I had cancer was during the real estate crash. Most of my income was coming from the market and around real estate and uh, income was down. My wife's business was down and uh, we didn't even have insurance. We had the Samaritan Ministries which wouldn't pay for drugs and, and pharmaceuticals. It would pay for a lot of the other stuff but uh, just the patch to keep me from throwing up was $400 so I had to just give it over to the Lord because normally I would say I'll work a second job I'll work a third job I'll do whatever it takes to make ends meet that was that kind of a person but I I was in no ability I had to depend upon God and that that actually was a turning point in a lot of ways for me it changed my perspective on things it changed my relationship with the Lord it changed my dependence upon God so God brings adversity to test our faith, to humble us, to make us more dependent on him. And the fourth reason he brings adversity is to help us grow and perseverance. God uses adversity to cultivate perseverance into our walk. 
It's one thing to survive and weather adversity. That in itself is commendable. But most of us, if we have a hard time, if we have adversity, we're not going to lay down and die. We're going to get through it. We're going to muddle our way through it. But that's not the concept of persevering. The biblical term for perseverance is to prosper or to move ahead, to make movement within the adversity. It's, it's to continue to persevere. It's to is a character that enables someone to pursue a goal in spite of the obstacles and difficulties. God, God calls us to persevere. The, the actual word means to press forward, to make progress in the face of it. The Hebrew, in Hebrews, the writer encourages the persecuted church to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're not to get depressed by our troubles, to get down and wallow in pity, but we are commanded to persevere. We heard a testimony, those of you who were at Levon's funeral memorial service yesterday heard a testimony of her perseverance. Late in life, body failing, the loss of her husband of 68 years, and people got up and shared how she did not quit. She could have easily just kind of sat back and said, I'm just going to kind of rest in my last few years, but she didn't do that. She continued to pray for people. She continued to be active in the women's fellowship. She continued to maintain relationships and encourage people. She persevered in spite of the adversity that she was going through. And we're all called to persevere. We have all been given a race to run. I love the verse in Hebrews 12.1 where it says, Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love the wording of the verse. It implies that things we call obstacles, the trials and the struggles, the adversity, they are not foreign objects accidentally getting in our way. They are actually part of the course. They're set there on purpose. It's not accident. It's not a detour. It's not an afterthought. It's part of the race. The verse says the race marked out for us. All of us are running in the race, but we all have one that's marked out specifically for us. They're similar, but they're unique, and it's not an afterthought. It's marked out for us individually, specifically ahead of time. So how do we persevere? Paul tells us in Romans 5.3, he says, We know that suffering produces perseverance. James tells us in James 1.3, The testing of your faith develops perseverance. So adversity produces perseverance, and perseverance enables us to withstand adversity. It's kind of a vicious cycle the principle is found in weightlifting anybody here involved in weightlifting i know oliver has been involved in weightlifting over the past what happens oliver when you lift weights continuously really hard for a while what does it do to your muscles they do but but first they break it down right you get really sore and you get you have to break the muscle down but that process then encourages them to grow back stronger that's what adversity does for us they don't immediately show the growth but over time as we continue to walk with God and to to battle our way through adversity we get stronger it makes us stronger it helps us persevere 
But in order to grow in perseverance, we need to depend on God. That's why the previous point was dependence. We cannot grow in perseverance until we have learned to depend on the Lord. We cannot run the race God wants us to run unless we are doing it in His strength. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. John 15, 5, Paul said, I can do all things through Him who what? Strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. We are called to persevere to do God's will despite the obstacles, but in His strength and in His alone. So we've seen that God uses adversity to test our faith, to humble us, to grow our dependence on Him, to teach us perseverance. And the fifth reason God brings adversity into our life is to equip us for a more effective service. Our adversities equip us for a better service to the Lord. When you think about that, what example from Scripture can you think of where someone, adversity, equipped them to, to be in a position to serve the Lord? Joseph. First one I thought of. When you think about the life of Joseph being slowed, sold into slavery by his brothers, thrown into a pit, ends up in Potiphar's house as a slave, ends up in prison, all for a purpose, all for a reason that God had preordained for him to do. It, it prepared him. Being in Potiphar's house helped him become um, knowledgeable of the, of the laws of Egypt. He didn't have any knowledge of Egypt and the laws and the, how to do. What that did for him when he ended up being in command and storing up food to save the nation from famine was all part of his training through adversity, that he gained the knowledge and expertise to be able to fulfill that service later on. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, Paul said, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I don't know how often you think about that, but the adversity that you are going through may have the reason so that you will have experience to help someone else who may end up in a similar situation. So we all experience adversity and we need, a, we need a friend to come alongside us and comfort us and encourage us. What better person than someone who has been through a similar circumstance? If you were having trouble with a rebellious child, who would you want to talk to? A man or woman who never had children or someone who has had a similar experience and been through it and weathered that trial. That's who you'd want to talk to. I might be a little help ministering to someone who's lost a child, but a godly person with a similar experience would have a much better testimony and, and witness to be able to do that. God allows adversity into our lives so that we might become more compassionate and serve others. Think about the trouble, struggle that Peter went through and when he denied Christ three times think about the guilt and the pain and the suffering he went through as he acknowledged what he had done and then in Luke twenty two thirty one, Jesus told him he said Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you when once you have turned again strengthen your brothers Peter's suffering was given so he would become a better servant of his own usefulness, as well as to strengthen others. If you have had a lot of adversity in a certain area, it may be that God brought that into your life so that you could use that experience to help someone else.
God brings adversity into our lives to test our faith, to give us a spirit of humility, to cause us to depend on Him and not the things of the world. He brings adversity to grow us in our perseverance and in our service. But more than anything else, God brings adversity into our life to cause us to grow closer to Him. It's through adversity that we learn to trust God, to trust His wisdom, to bow before His sovereignty, to experience the greatness of His comfort and His love. When you think of people in the Bible that went through adversity, who do you think of first? Who's, who's the person that experienced so much? Job. Again, the first one I thought about. Job. Lost his family, his health, his money, his possession. He lost it all. And after all he went through, all this wrestling he did with God, in the end, in Job 42.5, he said, My ears had heard of you, but my eyes have seen you. What Job is saying is that through adversity, we pass from knowing about God to knowing Him in a personal, more intimate way. Throughout the Bible, we see men and women of God drawn into a closer relationship with Him through adversity. You think about Abraham. He longed for a son for all those years, and then he's given a son, and then what's God tell him? Go sacrifice him. What a, what a thing to do, to have to do. And yet he trusted him, and he went through with it until God stopped him. You think about David and all the Psalms and the distress that he experienced and cried out to God for so many examples in Scripture that show us that adversity draws us closer to God. And it's not just as individuals. It's also true of a church. What happens in times of persecution to the church? They're bonded together stronger than they ever were. And I think this, what's happened here recently, will draw our church closer together as we pull together and console each other. It almost makes you want to go and seek out adversity, doesn't it? No, not really. Obviously, I don't think any of us will seek it out, and we don't have to, because God, through adversity, will seek us out. It is God who draws us to Himself in the first place, and it is God who draws us into a closer relationship with Him through adversity. So we looked at several ways, quickly and briefly, that God uses adversity in our lives, and it's by no means an exhaustive list. And we have only barely scratched the surface of the truth mentions. Sometimes we will plainly see how God is working through our difficulties, and other times we won't, maybe not until eternity. But we'll have to trust Him, because we know all adversity has meaning. All adversity is profitable. It may seem senseless and irrational to us at the time, but God has a purpose and a plan, and He brings everything together in His providence. We can be sure in some way He intends all adversity for our profit and His glory. It's not always easy, but we trust that. There's no such thing as bad in God's plan. It's just, that's something we dream up. Because it's just, it's God's providence. He works out all things for good to those who love Him. John Piper wrote a little booklet that someone gave me when I was going through a hard time. It said, don't waste your cancer. And the main point John Piper in his book was trying to get across is really what I'm talking about this morning. We call adversity God calls good. It might be an illness like cancer, but it could be 
anything, any adversity, any adversity. And don't waste your trial. It's God-ordained. He is teaching you something. Pray that you would see it and respond. Don't waste your adversity. That's the challenge to all of us. Don't waste our trials. Instead, ask yourself, how is God working in this difficult time? What does he want me to do? How does he want me to respond? One of the scriptures we started with, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. It's the only way that you can say, consider it all joy, is by knowing these truths and putting them into practice in your life. Understanding that God is both all-powerful and all-good. And what may seem bad to us, He sees as good for us. Don't waste your adversities. It's been a very difficult time for some of our family in the last 48 hours. And you yourself may even be going through a difficult time. So just remind yourself that God is not just there with you watching. He is working through these adversities for your good and His glory. Will you pray with me? Father God, we do come to you acknowledging that life is sometimes hard. And this is one of those times in the life of our church and especially several families of our church. And Father, we pray for them. We pray for their comfort that only you can give. I don't understand how any unbeliever could ever be comforted in a time like this. But they have the ability to draw upon your comfort to see eternal perspectives that others can't and we pray that you would help them see it with clarity i know their pain is going to take time and their grief is okay and father we just pray for them we lift them up we ask that all of us there's others who are going through hard times and if they're not now they will be and we pray for all of us that you remind us of the truth of your word father that uh, you are sovereign your providential plan is not asleep that all of these things are part of our course set before us. May we walk them with, with you through them. May we run this race, Father, um, applying these truths to our lives, that we would be good testimonies for the unbelieving world around us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>